comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, what's going on? It's Kyle here with Trone. And guess what? New information on the way. Off-season pod number one today, right there for you. Trone, how's it going? It is, it is going well as soon as we figured out all this techno mumbo jumbo that's happening yes. right now. The podcast gods did not want us to record, so Trone is phoning in like uh, I'm Hacksaw and you're one of the callers on the old <laughs> 1360 or 1090 or whatever Sheesh. site that was. But So if it sounds a little bit different tonight uh, or this morning whenever you're listening to this, you know why, but we're going to get you a pod because we have a lot of things to talk about. But before we get into that, you can follow Trone at Aztec Breakdown on Twitter. Uh, we've also got a new website, right? Yeah. Talk about the website. Yeah. So um, my girlfriend is actually like a social media manager and she's just a genius with this stuff. And she was telling me for a long time, like, you need to get a website, even if it's just a place to just localize all your work, a place where anybody can go to find the podcast or YouTube videos or articles or whatever. So the website is aztecbreakdown.com. Very simple. And the hope is just, you know, to, to expand out further than just the fans on Twitter. You guys have all been great. We talked about that just last episode, how great the fans have been and the interaction has been, but hoping to uh, uh, spread the good word if you will, out, out beyond Twitter. Absolutely. And it's also a place where uh, he's going to have breakdowns of our players, which we're going to talk mm -hmm. about one of our new and shiny players today. Uh, he's got one out that we'll talk about. And it's also a place where, you know, we can develop and grow and really grow the pod and grow the brand Aztec breakdown. And it's really exciting. It's really exciting, but you can find, so head over to the site, take a look, give us his, your clicks, give us your clicks, please. And uh, you can find me at Call Me Kinslow, and I'm on Twitter there, um, and that's where you can mostly find me. But who knows? Maybe one day I'll be I'll be posting some stuff on on the actual website. But it's a it's just a really cool development and something that you guys will all be able to enjoy because it'll be a good supplemental piece to go along with our podcast on a regular basis. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the big news broke last night, and then some more this morning. The Aztecs are officially bringing back Pulliam and Tomajic. And last night got a huge commitment from CBS's third-ranked potential transfer, Matt Bradley, shooting guard, small forward, do-everything, diet Coke version of Matt Mitchell uh, from Cal. And Trone, talk to me about let's, – let's talk about Matt Bradley first, right? Because cool. – He's the person that everyone wants to talk about. He is the new shiny new toy that we picked up. Um, what can can Aztecs fa uh, Aztec fans expect from Matt? So I loved how you put Diet Coke version of Matt Mitchell because I uh, I had heard Matt Bradley Matt Bradley was having some good meetings with the Aztecs about a week ago, and so from that point on, I started looking at the film and. Uh, that was the first thing I thought of, right? He's, he's six, four and two twenty, as opposed to Mitchell's six, six, two thirty five, two forty. but two twenty is, is big for a six, four guy, right? If you think of the greats, like Kobe and Michael were two twenty, but they were six, six. And so Bradley's two inches shorter than they were. He's a big beefy dude. He looks like he should be playing linebacker, very similar to Matt Mitchell. And his game is very similar too. he's not gonna, he's not gonna post up as much, but he's an efficient scorer from all three levels. He loves to get into the lane and finish through contact. He's very good at drawing fouls. Um, his, his defense might not be as good as Mitchell's, but is good in the same ways that Mitchell was in the sense that because he's so big and strong, he can guard up a position or two. Um, 
And so just, just a very versatile player, two times second team, all pack 12 player. So very skilled, very good scored 18 points a game last year on a team that played slower than the Aztecs. One of the few teams that did it. So he knows how to put the ball in the bucket and he's definitely going to be uh, a good, good transfer and instantly becomes the number one option on offense for sure. Yeah. And one of the cool things is he's kind of a tweener, right? He, he, can he play in the NBA? Maybe. Will he play in the NBA? Maybe. So what does that mean for Aztec fans? You could potentially get an additional two years out of Matt Bradley. It couldn't, it might not just be a one and done situation. I could definitely see Matt Bradley coming in and staying that additional year to work on his game, to go get paid wherever. Right. Um, because in the, in the sense of the college game, he still has a lot to prove. Uh, he was on a rough team. Based on watching his film, they did a lot. Uh, Cal hasn't been the most successful program over the last couple of years. Yeah, they got they produced Jalen Brown, but I feel like that was very much like a one-off specialty kind of thing. Um, that program as a whole is not good, hasn't been good for a while. Uh, and like you said, he he's – very efficient three-level score, which is something that I definitely think we need. The one thing that really stands out to me, and I feel like we haven't had in a very long time, is someone who can get the ball at, on the perimeter and finish at the rim through contact and do that swiftly and aggressively. Matt tended, tends to use his skill and he wants to use his body to create separation or that spin move to get an easy look while, or Matt Mitchell per se, as Matt Bradley is going to be more, I'm going to blow by you with a little bit of speed. And that's kind of what I see on tape is he is really fast for a guy, his size and Mitchell was more, and Matt Mitchell was more crafty for a guy, his size, but if they both use their bodies extremely well, one of the best things that I saw on tape is, uh, Bradley's really good at using his crossover to get a player on his hip, as opposed to Mitchell is a very much of a contact finisher. He's going to go through you. So mm -hmm. a little bit of a different style there, but they definitely, their games are very similar. You know, the Matt Mitchell, I'm going to catch the ball at the free throw line extended and square up. I can't tell you how many times I saw Matt Bradley do that on film. So that's the literally the exact same move. Um, I'm really excited. The guy isn't like, He's a scorer. He's not a scorer in the sense where he needs to be in the rhythm of an offense like Jordan Shackle was to get buckets. He also isn't a scorer that's only going to score on isolation plays like Gomez. He's kind of this in-between scorer that can score in all ways, which I felt like sometimes we had to force the ball to Mitchell. I feel like Bradley is going to be more so he might actually work out better for us just because I think our style of play fits his game very, very well. So Matt Bradley, give me, give me a letter grade. How would you rate the transfer uh, in terms of what we needed, what he provides uh, just right off the top of your head? Give me a letter grade. Um, letter grade is tough. Matt Bradley, I think was in the top four or five targets that I had for the off season. Um, and then once I think, I think it was like Kyler Edwards went back to Texas tech. I was like, okay, Matt Bradley now moves up to, to number three. I wanted Timmy Allen, Tanner Groves and Matt Bradley. And that was assuming Pulliam and Tomiach weren't coming back, which we'll get to in a minute, but um, very, very, good pickup. He spaces the floor, which was one of the things I wanted. I, I detailed some of the stuff I wanted um, on the website. I had a series of articles talking about the needs the Aztecs had. He spaces the floor. He brings that shooting a career 40% shooter from behind the arc. He has size if you play him at the two guard, right? If you play him as a small forward, he's a little bit smaller, still strong enough to do it, but 6'4 isn't a very big small forward. So checks off those boxes doesn't provide the playmaking i hope the team would would get um very similar to matt mitchell in that regard as well like passing isn't going to be his forte um 
but his scoring is just so good. So probably like, I don't know. I try to keep myself from getting too optimistic, but probably like a B plus yeah. maybe. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I, I'm at too. Um, I, we needed somebody who would get a bucket, right? That was my yes. number one need. I have huge expectations and hopes for Lamont Butler, which we're going to talk about his role coming up. Cause that's completely different now. Um, and I was hoping that he could kind of be that point God style point guard that we would need where he can distribute and kind of do it all kind of like in the mold of a Xavier Thames or DJ gay. But now I don't know, I don't know that he's ready for that though. No, no, no of course, of course so, not. So right? Bradley, Bradley helps out. Bradley definitely helps out with the scoring and that's a box that needed to be addressed. Yeah. It yeah, needed to be addressed. Right. We, and, and if, if you remember in the previous pod, I'm talking, I, I basically said, we need to go in one of two directions. We need to break it down to build it up, AKA play incredibly young and take our lumps, or mm-hmm. we need to get people that can help us right away. And Matt Bradley is somebody that you can add to this team right now. And he will contribute from the opening tip of game one. And that's important, right? And he's a veteran. He's played in a conference. It's probably by all accounts better than the mountain West. Um, and certainly by the looks of it, if, you, if you've been paying attention to what's going on, basically every good player outside of Nevada is leaving the conference. Um, <laughs> Boise State gutted, Utah State gutted. Uh, that's another thing we didn't even talk about. We, we were not even going to touch on uh, Utah State, what's ha- going to happen to their program now that Craig's left. But um, that's enough yep. for another day. Uh, okay, let's, let's pull it back a little bit. Two other huge additions to the team for sure. Uh, let's talk about Tomajic. Tomajic coming back, I think uh, it brings something that we desperately needed, which is back up five minutes. You know, and I know that Mensa can't play those big dog minutes at the five. He's just not conditioned like that, either physical condition or foul trouble conditioning. Now, hopefully he can take that leap and play those bigger minutes, but I think Tamayic joining really gives us a valuable asset in someone who we can know can come in and can at least contribute. And on his day, he can play well. Tamayic had games where he greatly outperformed Mensa this year. And I think that's what we need. We just need someone who can contribute, who won't be a net negative. And I think Tamayic is absolutely that person. You get somebody who's already been in the system. He clearly loves it in San Diego. He basically cited the culture and the coaching staff and the program is why it came back. Um, And while he's not as sexy as Trey or Bradley, he's definitely valuable. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan's biggest issue is he doesn't deal well with elevation and the mountain West is like the highest elevation conference in the Nate, maybe second behind the big sky or something, but regardless, there's a lot of games at elevation and so mensa tends to not perform well during those games especially and so having a a quality backup who can come in and and even even provide a solid like spot start or two if if he needs to right is is definitely very very valuable and i mean the fans like it's also nice knowing what you get right bradley we hype up but we don't actually know we've seen what he's done elsewhere but you don't actually know, right? High profile freshman. If you bring an Ian, you don't know what you're getting. Tomajic, we know what we're getting. We know it's going to be solid. We know he gets along great with the rest of the locker room. So, so very nice to keep him for sure. And then, and, the, and another good thing is he's got, he showed some flashes of things that he can, can improve on. And he now gets a full off season to improve on them. So I don't think players like him don't just turn into superstars overnight, but what they can do is really work hone in on one skill during the summer. And I think for Tomajic, it's very straightforward pick and pop. You could tell he wanted to do that, but Mm -hmm. his elbow extended jumper wasn't there. His three pointer wasn't there. He wants to be a stretch five, get him in the lab all summer, have him shoot a bazillion jump shots. And let's see where we're at because his physical tools and what he does well He's a really good, he's a solid rebounder. He played, he's okay on defense. He's a big body. He doesn't, he doesn't commit as many, what I would call silly fouls as Mensa does. Um, 
but yeah, if he just gives us some, some micro improvements, I think he can greatly help our roster. So, and, and the whole point about knowing having a known commodity, that's huge because we know his fit. We know how he's going to play. Would you, I'm going to be perfectly honest in terms of backup fives that play that role. I don't know if you're going to do much better than him. I really don't. I, I mean, sure. We could be having Yanni Vetzel be the backup <laughs> five when he's out, but in reality, he was the starting power forward. Right. So it, yeah. it, it's in terms of what we get, I think it like he is a very underrated addition to this roster because I think that that's, a role that we're, are we going to play the, the freshman coming in th- those minutes? Cause that's what we were staring in the face or Cole Alger playing backup five. Like the guy's a toothpick. Like, I mean, it, it it's a position of need. It's a, and that we play, you know, the Aztecs play a traditional center at the five and mm-hmm. him coming back just frees up, fr- allows us to pursue other options and players that can impact us in a bigger and a bigger area of need instead of scrabbling for a backup, a backup center. So really good. And then it goes, let's go to the last uh, big addition. And that is the return of Trey Pulliam. Talk to me about Trey. I mean, once again, Aztec fans know what we're getting with, with Trey Pulliam. He knows the guys, he knows the system. So that's all well. One thing that uh, he did really well last year that I didn't notice, at least in terms of like analytics that I didn't notice until the end of the season was defensively the people he guarded did not score. Um, And that's, you know, you play for the Aztecs. That's always going to be a benefit. That person is going to, to uh, get minutes. The question is going to be always like, which version of Trey is going to show up on offense. And we talked about during the mountain West tournament, I'm trying to, to bring up his numbers here real quick, but we talked about, how good he was during the tournament. Uh, what do we got? 13 points, almost four assists, a uh, couple rebounds and two steals over the course of that three game span. Like if we get that version of Trey Pulliam, that's huge. That's a, that's a huge pickup. Uh, if we get the version from earlier in the season where everybody was clamoring for uh, Lamont Butler to start over him, you know, things are different. So the consistency will be a question, which version of him we're getting is a question, but the coaches like him, he improved a lot last year. So as long as he can keep that up, uh, the point guard spot looks solid. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest with our listeners. I I'm very conflicted with him coming back. Uh, I think that him coming back and the addition of, of Matt Bradley really complicates things a little bit. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but as far as yeah. just Trey Pulliam joining flat out, there wasn't another player that improved as much as he did. He went from me calling for his benching to him being arguably the, the conference tournament MVP. Like he yeah. was, he was the best. He was better than Matt Mitchell. He was better than Jordan Shackle. He was better than anyone else on any other team. He was our best player for that tournament. And if we are getting that, Trey Pulliam back, I don't care about fit. You just make it work because mm-hmm. that's a player who is too good and too valuable to a roster, especially since in the tournament you really saw his pick and roll game develop, which is something that didn't happen until the tournament. How many times in the tur- in the, in the Mountain West tournament do we see Trey and Mensa do a high ball screen at the top of the key, which resulted in either a uncontested Trey layup or a Mensa dunk? Yeah. A f- Quite a few times. Yeah. And if we're going back in history, that Yoni Vetzel, Malachi Flynn pick and roll was our go-to play. And last year, there were moments when we struggled to score and we didn't have – We it basically resulted in an isolation play for, for Matt Mitchell, which that's mm-hmm. not as – ever going to give you as good of a result as a pick and roll, a basic pick and roll with your, with your point guard who can handle the ball and a big guy who can finish at the rim. And so while I, I don't think that him adding, I do have questions because I'm really ready to give the keys to the entire program to Lamont Butler. Um, This is a situation where you're getting a guy who can give you what you want. Uh, Dutcher 
was definitely not afraid to play Butler and Trey together. Yep. And I think that now he's just going to have to do that more often. Uh, And I don't know how it'll work because I don't really know if it worked well when they were together last year. I thought it was mixed results. Um, But the bottom line on Trey is you get a known commodity again, who could also be a better, better version. Um, I think he still, he could be a better shooter. He could be a little bit more aggressive, Uh, but I think I saw that defense come out of him in his ball. He was the ball stopper. He was the guy that was guarding their point guard. Um, And that's a lot of responsibility. And in our defensive scheme, it's a lot of responsibility being the ball stopper, especially in the mountain West where really every good player I can think of that's coming back as a guard, they're going to want the ball in their hand. So having a guy who can lock up the other team's number one option, that's huge. That's huge. Right. But with the addition of Trey Pulliam, and this is this is something that I, I asked on, on Twitter. Have you ever had have we ever had an Aztec team that had this many guards vying for minutes? Because if you look at the lineup now, you've got Pulliam, Butler, Seiko, Dinwiddie, and Bradley, who all either play the one or the two. So that's five guys for, if we're being realistic, four spots. Now I could tell you could tell me that Matt Bradley's going to play the three and I would be okay. However, that, that brings up a very, very small lineup and me, the King of small ball. We'll, we'll talk about this at the very end of the pod. I don't know if those, that combination if there's a three in there that would allow me to be comfortable playing small ball, but we'll talk about why. So break down the roster for me as it's currently constructed. I saw on Twitter that you had the roster breakdown. How do you see this working and playing out? Yeah. So I have a, I have a spreadsheet that I just type stuff in. Um, obviously the bas- the game of basketball is much more fluid than just saying, this is your bench point guard. This is your bench shooting guard, right? All yep. that stuff. It's a lot more versatile. But for simplicity's sake, we have right now at the point guard, uh, Trey Pulliam starting, Lamont Butler coming off the bench. I I do – I don't know if this is a hot take necessarily, but this is like my wild prediction. I think by the end of the season that will be flipped um, or, or that Lamont Butler will be starting in some capacity at the very least. Um, by the end of the season. I don't think it'll happen to start the season, but by the end of the season, I think Butler will be starting. But right now, Pulliam starting, Butler off the bench. I have Seiko as the starting two guard and Keith Dinwiddie coming off the bench. Uh, That moves Matt Bradley to the starting small forward because he's the only guy who can really do it. He's, He's not as tall as I would like, but he's strong enough to make it work and you don't want Seiko starting at small forward. You don't want Dinwiddie starting at small forward. You don't want a Roper or a uh, Kashad Johnson starting at small forward. Right. I don't, I don't Johnson maybe can get there, but I don't think he does it over this off season. So Bradley's all you have. And then Shea Evans as the bench small forward, but he is, Right now, I have him as the 10th guy in the rotation, which means he's probably not going to play unless he makes a major leap this offseason, which is possible, but we can can talk about that in another pod. Um, The power forward spot's interesting. I slotted a rope in as the starter and Johnson in as the bench player, and the only reason I did that is because a rope has started before and Johnson hasn't. If I was to make a prediction, I think I'd actually go with Johnson starting. But either way, flip those two around however you want. And then Mensa, of course, starting at center. Tomaj starting at uh, – or not starting, coming off the bench. Those two, we know their roles. That's There's the least controversy in that center spot. And then the 11th guy is Demarche Johnson, who we talked about in the last pod briefly, right? He's I don't think he's getting any – minutes outside of garbage time. Um, but it's, 
it's a small lineup. You got, if, if this is to hold, right. And, and no new players come or, or whatever, you have three players starting that are between six, three and six, four, and then either a rope or Johnson who are both they're a rope, six, seven Johnson or a rope, six, six Johnson, six, seven, and then Mensa and Tomaj are six ten. It's a small lineup. Um, a rope. His best role is going to be as like a backup center, honestly. And so having him play starting or backup power forward isn't his ideal role. Matt Bradley, Matt Bradley's ideal role isn't as a small forward. He he ideally is playing that shooting guard spot. So the roster. Right now, and I know we were talking about this this before the pop, but it's just it's a weird looking roster. And last season, in our like season preview, we talked maybe it wasn't at some point we talked about like the team didn't have that true number one option that slotted everybody into their roles and made all their teammates better. And right now, I think that's the same case, right? The team needs needs a true wing. Honestly, to move Bradley over to the two, uh, which which bumps Seiko down to that bench role that everybody loves. Although I do like Seiko starting, but regardless, not over Bradley. I'm rambling right now, but it's it's a weird looking roster, and I know you have thoughts, so so take it away. Yes, uh, one of the reasons I have this is one of the reasons why I have mixed feelings about Trey coming back because it puts us in a spot where the pieces and the team, as they they're currently constructed, they do not fit together at all. There is, if if you're looking at a puzzle piece, we are missing a small forward sized puzzle piece Mm -hmm. in the starting lineup. And then when you go into the solutions for that, which the best one would be Timmy Allen. If Timmy Allen comes that's going to solve a lot of problems, but what it's also going to do is create new ones because that's going to basically eliminate if we get in a, new, a starting three, let's say Timmy Allen does come, which that's the dream, right? That's the absolute dream. Will it happen? I don't know. We've, you and I have both heard buzz about multiple different recruiters or multiple different uh, transfers and people's committing and decommitting or their preferences. Timmy Allen seems to be really like quiet. It's mm-hmm. really quiet on the Timmy Allen front. I think we both, I had some information about Boogie, which turned out to be wrong. But after thinking about it, I don't think you could really sign Boogie and Bradley to already go with your established backcourt if you knew Pulliam was coming back. Yeah, so I which think the it coaches was, would have. Yeah, and I think that they probably knew Pulliam was coming back uh, a little bit earlier. And so mm-hmm. because Boogie is more of a ball handler and Matt's, more of a score. I think they probably focused more on Matt. That's just me spewing what I believe happened based on, based on trends. I don't know that, but the whole point is we have no idea what's going to happen because there's nothing on Tim, right? Uh, The other players said like, okay, I'm going to announce on this date or here's my top eight. Mm -hmm. Timmy's like, I'm transferring. And that was it. Um, so we don't know. He would solve a lot of problems. Uh, Okay, friends. Well, uh, we just had some technical difficulties. Just cut out uh, in the middle of the podcast recording. Uh, we told you that we had some technical issues before, and of course, they pop up right in the middle. But a bonus is literally while we had our technical difficulties, Timmy, who you just previously heard about as our guy who would fix all the problems, just committed to the University of Texas. So the Aztecs have now struck out on what you had is your number one option yes. uh, as a transfer. And we are now staring the three guard lineup in the face. And oh boy, uh, as concerned as I was last year, I knew that we had a, a knockdown shooter in Shackle and a guy who could get a bucket in uh, Matt Mitchell, who were both seniors, who were both <laughs> just reliable players, right? And now, we could potentially have a giant mess on our hands. We are going, I I don't know how we solve this problem. I really, really don't know. And I'm very worried. Um, 
I almost would. Let me, let's go ahead. Let's do this. We're we're totally winging this. How does this sound? I'm gonna go through my list of people that they have for sure contacted at some point, and maybe also a guy or two that I would like for them to contact. And then you let me know how these options sound. Um, so we got Tanner Groves mentioned earlier, power forward, very good power forward, able to play some stretch four, would add some size, but doesn't fix that uh, small forward need. Parker Fox coming up from division two, good score, good rebounder, um, decent passer, doesn't fix, fill that small forward need, but you know, both of those guys would add like a second score so that Bradley doesn't have to do all the scoring basically. Um, who else do we got? Philip Rabraca out of North Dakota, another power forward center type of guy, some stretch four type of potential, not that small forward. Uh, we got a guy out of Brown, Tamanang Cho, who has the size of a small forward, but has the game of like a power forward, like no floor spacing ability, good rebounder plays bigger than he is type thing. Uh, Trey Wade is like a three and D small forward, but mostly the D not very much three. That's, that's the list. That's the list of guys we've contacted. We're in Parker Fox's top eight. That's the only one that said anything. One other guy I would like to point out actually two other guys. So Tanner Groves, wherever he goes, his younger brother, Jacob Groves, is probably going with him. And Jacob Groves is 6'7", played small forward. So he could not fix the issues the same way Timmy Allen would, but at least be able to bump uh, Matt Bradley down a spot. And another guy that I wouldn't mind the Aztecs contacting, although I don't know if it fixes a small forward program, is Kyler Edwards out of Texas Tech. He's only 6'4", but... A lot of skill, a lot of postseason experience, stuff like that. Uh, man, it was Timmy or Bust, though. How? I mean, tell me, how do these names sound? I would rather pray to God that Kashad Johnson can shoot a three-pointer and slot him in tomorrow at the starting small forward than have any of those guys come. Now, I will say this. The Groves brothers are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because it's true. They are a package deal. Uh, and I, I like them, right? I think that they're, they are very much like an Aztec scrappy. They compete. They are big culture guys. They'll buy in immediately. Um, and I think Tanner is like, I'm a solid college basketball player. And that's as good as I'm going to be. I think his other younger brother has a potential to be a lot better. Um, and that's kind of always how it works, right? The youngest one is always the one, the one that has all the skills because they got beat up for a living by their older brother. It's literally we're, and if you don't know some examples, Cheryl Miller beat the living heck out of Reggie Miller his entire life. Younger brother. You're looking at, uh, look at the ball brothers. Who's the best one? The youngest one. Yeah. Um, so it's not the first case. And I definitely think that's the case with, with, with Jacob. Now the question is, if the Grove Groves brothers come, and I think they're probably looking for this, are they both going to start? Because I think Tanner's not Tanner's not transferring to be a bench a bench player. And with Tamayich coming he scored, back, he scored, Kyle, he scored thirty five against Kansas, and, and yeah. he's not no, he's no, not looking to be a bench player at all. No, no, absolutely not. And the the funny part is, I think that he, I think that he would. That would be the dream. I think that's the dream now, right? I think we have to pivot to the Groves. And I think it's a dual package because I think you, we need both of them. I think so, if you just get one, you still have a problem. So follow-up here. I, th- I think if you just got Jacob, he does slot into that small forward, but you still have a problem skill-wise. But, okay, follow-up question. So in the hope of getting – Timmy Allen, he would slot in, right? And it would bump right now as the roster stands with no one else being added. Keith Dinwiddie is probably in the ninth rotation spot, right? There's five starters. He'd be that fourth guy off the bench. So that makes him ninth, which is normally 
the end of the rotation, right? Last year, the Aztecs went 10 deep. That lowers everybody's minutes a little bit, but that's normally the end of the rotation. If you had Tanner and Jacob Groves, he gets bumped down to 11th, which means you're not playing unless it's garbage time, right? And Shea Evans, who was very adamant on wanting to make an immediate impact and wanting to not stay longer than two or three years in college gets bumped down to 12th, right? Barring anything crazy from either of them. At that point, do either of them consider transferring out? And if they do, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think Dinwiddie is probably already entered his name in the transfer portal. You think so? Uh, Why would he stay? Why he, he, there's no path for him to play unless he wants to basically sit out an entire year. Okay. Another year where he's not going to play, he will play the exact same. I, I really think at best we can play four guards. I don't see a way we can play five. Um, we're we're going to have to, we're going to, as the roster is currently constructed, we're going to yeah. have to, we're going to have to, if you add the groves, uh, I think, I think Chase probably gone. Um, which sucks because he came in with a lot of hype, right? Like, yeah. I mean, last year, but when the preseason pot, I was like, this dude's going to be an immediate mm-hmm. impact and mm-hmm. he could be, he's going to be the first guy off the bench. And he didn't even play at all. Like it was the last one all. And ugh, we have, we have a pro the roster as it's currently constructed has huge issues. We either need to, and, and, and to be honest, it wasn't created by Timmy not coming. It was created by Pulliam coming back. And it's while it's great to have Pulliam, now you have five guards in four spots. So the plan, I think, has to be that Matt Bradley's going to be the starting three. I think that's probably your initial thought. I think the dream scenario is KJ makes that jump as a shooter, and we're not even talking like 35%. We're talking like, 30%, 32%. Just prove to me you can hit an uncontested shot on a regular basis. If he can do that, he can play at the three because we all know that his camp is talking about NBA and he's an NBA level athlete and all of that stuff. You're not getting there unless you, and he's not, he's a three in the NBA. So NBA. if he really wants to do that, I don't think he's, he's, he's got a ways to go. Right. But he took, a huge leap freshman to sophomore season. And he at, he went from being an only an athletic player to a guy who every now and then could hit the shot, but the dude was the best rebounder on our team and was really good at inside on defense. So he takes that, that same jump. He adds it to his offensive game and we're cooking, but that's asking a lot of a player, right? That's just asking a lot of a guy who, you're asking him to show you things that he didn't show you. And that's where we, we're, we get worried. Um, it's, it's a lot for what it's worth. He shot 37% behind the arc last season. What? But it, it was on 19 attempts. Okay. Uh, right. Half of his right, makes came size. in that, in that like second game against whoever it was, you see Irvine where he went like three of five or whatever. That was like half of his makes on the season almost. Yeah. So it's it's tricky. How do you feel? Do you think he holds up athletically as a three right now? Like, are you worried about lateral movement? No, or not like at all. Him not turning all. his hips or anything like that. Nope. I, I this is so. If you're a he's a big three, right? He's a big yeah. three. Yeah, he is the single best athlete in the team and maybe on in the conference. Like in terms of size, speed, strength, jumping, he's got NBA wingspan, so he doesn't have to be as quick because his length can make up for that. Um, He's the best athlete in the entire conference. I mean, you could put like Roddy into that conversation, but that's for a different reason. Right. But as far as like the prototypical slamma jamma NBA basketball player, he is it in terms of athleticism. So I'm not worried about him in terms of guarding the three. And I also think, I also think in, in, in the Aztecs defensive scheme, he can be quick. He's basically just going to dare. We're going to dare people to shoot. He's going to dare people to shoot threes over him because of his wingspan. He can get, get away with playing off a little bit further from people just because Mm -hmm. he can contest shots from further away. 
Um, but man, like we, the one thing that we haven't mentioned is the Aztecs as a whole last year switched everything and playing small ball, which if we're starting three guards and KJ starting at the four, we're playing small ball period. Um, I wonder if our defensive scheme has to change. And that's something that over the last couple of years, we've switched everything. And I think we might have to revert more to a Utah state. We're funneling everyone to Mensa kind of, kind of defense um, as opposed to the, we're switching every ball screen. We're switching just everything automatically because it doesn't, I'm more worried about Matt Bradley being able to guard the three than I am KJ. And I think that Matt Bradley is more likely to guard the three than KJ because Matt Bradley as right now, I, that's who I would play at the starting three. Um, so, I, I mean, we got issues, man. <laughs> we got some issues here. Um, of course, we'll, we'll know more in the coming weeks, but I think as it's currently constructed, our roster is kind of a mess and it's going to – the, the good news is our biggest concern last year was how are we going to score? And we did that fine. And I don't think that was ever a problem with us. Now, of course, in the championship game or in the, in the NCAA tournament, we went a bazillion minutes without having a bucket. But I think that was more or less because of all of the factors. And that was a one-off scenario, right? I think that happened one other time and that was against Colorado state. But other than those two instances, that wasn't scoring wasn't our problem. So now we come into the season, and what's our biggest issue? Do we have a small forward on this roster? How are we going to set up? Like, there is some big, big, big question marks. It's it's tricky. One of the reasons I wanted Timmy Allen was because uh, he was a really good playmaker, and I think that was my biggest concern going into last season. And I think that did affect – the game against Syracuse because nobody could really drive into the middle of that defense. Um, And right now looking at the roster, it's kind of similar, right? It's it's the same point guards. Um, Lamont could get a lot better and pulling could get better being a playmaker too. Don't get me wrong. Matt Bradley isn't going to be expected to make plays for others. He can get his own shot. Absolutely. But he's not going to get shots for other people. So that's, that's something, and and that's something that I none of the names that I listed out earlier, and I'll I'll post out the updated list on Twitter later. But none of the names that are left fit that playmaker mold either. So yep. lack of a true starting, what lack of wings in general? Yes, right, wings in general. Yeah, it was it got like, dude, for the past four years the wing spots have been held by Mitchell and Shackle and it was consistent for four years and now they leave and there's no wings there's none there is not Blows a true wing on the roster and be, you can play and this is my big reason of why I do not think small ball works when you play with three guards small ball at its best is great when you have a point guard who can guard up wings who can guard multiple positions and bigs who can guard multiple positions, we have zero wings. That's one of the three important factors to playing small. We have none right now. So unless you're telling me that we're going to roll out a lineup of, and I could see this lineup working. I could see a lineup of Pulliam slash Butler, Seiko slash Bradley, uh, and then whoever is, isn't in that second spot. So if you're starting Seiko, then you're probably going to have Bradley at the three. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have KJ at the four and a rope at the five or vice versa. Yep. I could see that potentially working. But only in that context. I don't think those three small guards work if you slap Mensa in. Like, it, it, I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong. I know we switched everything last year, but it, it, the reason we're able to do that is because we have wings that are able and wings that can be the bigger guy and stay in front of people 
and be the smaller guy and hold their ground. Those are two. Well, those are arguably the two most important things and, when you play small ball, and we don't have them now. And think about why you switch, right? You switch. The, the main thing you're trying to do when you switch is take away uh, the pull-up three when the ball handler comes off the screen, right? You switch it, takes away that three. So you're, you're hoping to force them to drive. And the Aztecs play a pack line defense, which means everybody sinks into the paint unless you're guarding the ball handler. And so that way when they drive, last year especially, people get their hands in there, they force turnovers. And so in that way, if you do manage to take away that shot and force that drive, it can work. But that being said, the offense is just going to match up hunt and the Aztecs, their opponents, let me see if I can pull it up on Ken Palm, but the Aztecs, their opponents shot a lot of threes. Uh, they were, they were in like one of the last five teams in terms of three point attempt ratio to their overall field goal ratio. They gave up a lot of threes. And now you're just saying like, continue to do that, but we have smaller defenders that you can shoot over even easier. I, I like small ball in the sense of like analytics, but I like big bully ball in the sense of like, everybody's trying to go small. Let's do something different and mess them up. So I was really hoping to get some, some serious size this off season and Matt Bradley helps with that in a way, but it's uh yeah, dude, not having any real wings is, I mean, a, is a bummer. If you get the groves, the groves solve that a lot of those problems. A lot right? of things. Especially because you now groves can play small bust. ball because it's, that's basically where we're at. We have the groves, which solve a lot of problems, which create other problems. Dinwiddie is gone. Uh Che Evans, I think, is probably gone. Um our new our new five that is our like really do we have any new other true freshmen coming in this no, next season? No, it's it's just the one. Yeah, so he ain't playing for sure. Um no. especially with Tomayich back. And yeah, and he knew that coming in, so that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. But if you if you get the groves, it allows you to do both of our favorite things. We have a small forward who we can play small ball with and can defend that three position. We also can go uh, Tanner and and Mensa, and that's bully ball. That's when yeah. you get into that bully yep. ball scenario because Tanner is is a, a he's not a he he is legit. And, and and I want you. Did you guys see uh, Timmy in the final? How he he's a smart player. He got absolutely destroyed by Baylor athletically, but he was a smart player. Let's be honest. We're not competing for the national championship. You give us a player who is smart and has skill, they are going to work for the Aztecs. And he, is, would, he would destroy the Mountain West, the power forwards in the Mountain West. Because I was, I was looking at this earlier, because, and it was what got me so excited about, uh, about, us, about KJ and a rope moving forward and our power forward spot in, in total, but you add him, man, he's, he's a lot. He's going to start at the four Tanner probably starts at the three, but like you said, pushes everyone down. And of course they could not sign. Like they could go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, you know that, And, and I mean, let's, let's be honest. That's, that's a more likely outcome. The more likely outcome is the most likely outcome is this is our current roster and we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. You know, now there could be, there could be another Tomajic. There could be another Yanni Vetzel who is underutilized in the transfer portal that we're not even thinking about. Yep. And all of a sudden comes in and contributes. You know, that I wouldn't put them past Dutcher to, to, to pull something in the recruiting team to pull something like that out of a hat. But yeah, we need we we need something, man. We need something. We we gotta we got to wrap up pretty soon before we yeah, get yeah, yeah. cut off, but I wanted to point out there was this really weird like feeling on Twitter. And I think we've been experiencing it live to a certain extent, but so there was, you know, last night posting Matt Bradley was in and everybody was super happy. And then I posted the, the thing you mentioned about how it, it had like the whole death chart. And I, and I read it off here on the pod and I read that off 
And there were some people that were like, oh. And, and like, you could just feel even through Twitter that they were like a little less excited because Matt Bradley's like, oh, this is a top 10 transfer off the market. Aztecs are going to be great again. And then you see yeah. the roster and, yeah. and you guys know, I hate talking bad about the players, but like, it just doesn't live up to last year's roster at the very least, at least on paper. And there's, you know, no, no, no. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. off season development to be had and a lot of unknowns, but you could just, I could feel it over Twitter with some of these responses like, Oh, that's, that's not the way I thought it looked once we got Matt Bradley. <sighs> yeah, dude. So uh, this is what I said at the end, at the end of our last pod, like we are staring a rebuild in the face yeah. and the worst place to be is not a rebuild or competitive. It's in the middle and yeah. that's where we're at. It's a lot easier for me to sell development and talent and wait till next year versus a team. The team as it's currently constructed is not in wait until next year mode. It's this weird. Are we trying to compete? Uh, how much time are we going to give the young guys? How is this all going to work? As opposed to, let's say if we add the Groves brothers, then we are in contention immediately. Yep. Or let's yep. say we added Timmy Allen, we'd be in contention immediately. I'd also say, if they added Boogie and they wanted to go three guard lineup with Boogie at the two and who's a scorer, who can be a scorer and Bradley at the three, that I'd much better than at that than with Dinwiddie and Seiko who are more spot up shooters. Um, that could have been a plan and we would have been trying to compete right away. Where we're at now is the hardest place to sell fans. It's we're just going to kind of see how it works. Yeah. Right? Uh, and sure. We're going to be, we're going to be in a little bit of rebuild. Um, <laughs> who knows if you have, if you haven't taken a look friends at who's left the conference, you're going to be surprised at how many people are exiting the mountain West because it's a nightmare in ter- for other programs. We are actually one of the only programs that hasn't had a contributing member of their team leave. And that's huge. So Man, let's wrap it up. Um, it was great talking with you. I feel like you and I could work. We, you're going to get more, right? You're going to get more. We've, yeah. We, we've we got to we've gotta dissect this about, we've got to go into details and, and more information about that. So let's wrap it up. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to be engaged on Twitter. Continue the conversation over there, please. That Today was a lot of fun. We had a lot of mm-hmm. discussions, a lot of varying opinions. That was yep. a lot of fun. Um you know what I'm thinking? Maybe we do a round table with some guests, some guests next pod to try to figure out how we're going to fix this because we <laughs> kind of need some hive mind ideas. Cause this is, this is ooh, hopefully by next week we have, we have a clear picture, but I think we're kind of, I, I think the most likely outcome is this is our roster and we're going to run with it. We um, just, we gotta, we gotta go the UNLV way and play four guards, Kyle. That's, Oh that's my God. <laughs> oh my God. No, you've seen that. Uh, I'm that the, my answer is the, the Michael Scott meme of him going, No, no, God, no, but we'll see. Oh man, yeah, right, let's get out of well, here for, for Trone. I'm Kyle. Thanks for listening. Go Aztecs. See you guys next time. <laughs>